What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 43 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. This episode is a free writing session episode where I am going to read one piece that I wrote recently, uh, a few days ago, actually, and uh, it was motivated by, I guess, a few things, but mainly just the whole culture of of anti-microaggression-ness, whatever the fuck you call it. Um, this very weird and, and in my opinion, detrimental position that uh, some to the very, very far left take um, that's prevalent in colleges. And you're, you're, I've been hearing uh, more and more professors <clears throat> that are actually willing to speak out uh, against this on certain podcasts, uh, like Daniele Bolelli, who's a professor himself on his podcast, or Gad Saad, who was uh, an author, who is an author and professor recently on, um, he's been on Rogan's podcast, but he spoke more to this point on the Rubin Report, on uh, Dave Rubin's podcast, and just this, this weird PC state that, that we're in um, that spawned this piece, that uh, and... Uh, I'm going to share that with you guys and get into it a little bit uh, later on, a little more later on. And uh, it's pretty much going to be a quick episode because it's just a one piece that I'm going to share with you guys. And a couple of things that I'm going to go over that I saw recently that I thought were pretty cool that I want to share with you guys, which are uh, an episode, a recent episode of Weedikit, which is a show on Vice by Krishna and Davalu which is pretty dope and a recent rap battle with uh, iron solomon and, and uh disaster on kotd that you guys can check out and lastly a uh, new book that i'm reading that i'm really into and it's a fiction which i normally don't read or if i do i, I don't get as into as i am uh, with this one uh and i'll tell you guys a little bit about that later on as well and that book is ready player one by ernest klein so minus any random tangents, uh, that's pretty much the gist of what this episode is going to be. If sounds like something that you'd want to listen to, stick around. And if not, peace. So first up is uh, Weedikit, uh, episode number three. Again, this is a show that's on Vice. Uh, you guys can uh, just Google Weedikit or um, Krishna Andovalu Andavolu. Um, and uh, it'll show up. You can watch them all for free on YouTube. Uh, so far, the first couple episodes are were pretty dope. And I have them linked in the episode notes. As always, anything referenced uh, in this podcast, I'll link in the episode notes for easy access for you guys. I think it's a really good show. And uh, Christian's doing a really good job at both visually showing and uh, going into certain issues with the criminal justice system and uh you know specifically when it comes to marijuana use i mean the show is called weed kit so obviously he, he has a slant uh or bias towards his weed and he goes into uh, a simplified version of or simplified how do i say this he explains certain things that may sound more complicated than they are, and he does it in a very digestible way, I feel. 
Um, at least I, my domestic could get it. So he, you know, he, he would go into, uh, important aspects of the same type of situation, but from different angles. For example, he interviewed, uh, fa- the family of one person who is incarcerated. His name is, I jotted it down here, Bernard Noble, who got incarcerated uh, for 13 years for having two joints of weed on him. And uh, this was in Louisiana. The reason why he got the 13 years was uh, because it's his third offense. Uh, he had two prior offenses when he was a teenager. And uh, I'll get back to that in a bit. So before I go off on that tangent, just want to say he interviewed his family. And uh, just to see from their perspective, like what the family's going through with having their son incarcerated and, you know, missing him and, and stuff like that. And his kids growing up without him and that whole vicious circle that begins with uh, these types of nonviolent crime uh, incarcerations or any incarceration. But this one in particular is obviously a nonviolent crime. And then he also interviews the attorney uh, for him to see it from the attorney's standpoint, uh, what what she sees. And his attorney in this episode uh, actually started like crying on air, which is weird. But um, because she feels like helpless, not able to help him. And she explains the law in Louisiana, which is the, uh, you know, the mandatory, mandatory minimum sentencing on a third time offense. And which is uh, common in, I think they said like 27 states or in a large number of states across the country for non nonviolent drug offenses. Uh, for the third, if third time that you're arrested, you get a mandatory minimum sentence. So in this case, he got 13 years. Uh, that was the minimum was actually five years. It was five to 15 or something like that, or five, five, five to 40, five to 15. I don't remember. Um, he wound up getting 13. She says that the way it works specifically in, in Bernard's case was that he was arrested in when he was a teenager twice. Uh, he had possession of cocaine and and weed and um, he got arrested in his early teens and he pleaded to a misdemeanor misdemeanor drug possession charge so that he wouldn't go to jail. He took that plea deal which um more and more stories that that i that i hear like this and the more i hear it explained it seems like taking plea deals like straight straight off the bat isn't a good idea it might seem like a good idea at the time um but how she explained it a misdemeanor a drug offense there uh is eligible for bulk or bundle sentencing on your third offense so in this case those two offenses that he had uh, when he was a teen and then i think it was like 10 or 15 years later um now his uh, third offense for being caught with having two joints on him they all get to get bundled up together and become felony charges or some weird shit he does a good they do a good job of explaining this in the episode so definitely check it out i'm butchering it a bit um but it's it's interesting to see that type of breakdown. And then he also interviews the cops in the area um, and uh, gets their point of view on it. And from their point of view, they're saying that, you know, the system is is broken. Um, 
in it's not a systemic ra- systemic racism or or a broken or it is uh it's not a systemic ra- uh, it's not systemic racism as a christian try to point out um a argument for for this type of uh disparity in incarcerating of of black and latinos versus whites who for nonviolent drug offenses even though that uh, whites and blacks and Latinos uh, use it, uh, use weed specifically in comparable uh, amounts. And they say that the system is broken um, in the home, like it starts in the home, which is a very fair and true point. Um, and that they don't, if they don't have the discipline from their from their parents and so forth, and from their teachers to make them not engage in in drug activity to begin with then it there won't be that uh, disproportion of uh four four to one or blacks and latinos being four times as likely to be arrested than a white person for for uh drug possession and in some uh some states it's 10 to 1 and some counties, uh, the uh, uh, an assistant DA that he also interviewed in this piece said that it goes up to 15 to 20 to 30 to 40 to 1, um, which is insane. And that is a valid point. But then uh, Christian rebutted with the fact that, and the cop's point of view is, listen, when they get, when since since the situation is broken and fucked up in the household and the streets and like stuff like that and they resort to this life of crime if you will um if you want to consider that and when they get down to me that that's not my problem none of that shit's my problem my job is to arrest them lock them up and that's it which i agree with that part of it it's true but the uh bigger picture like step back objective view that christian was trying to point out of in terms of like the systemic racism and as you mentioned after that when he rebutted them was that it's kind of like a vicious cycle because these kids can't get the discipline and uh oversight from their parents in a lot of these cases because they're parents like in this case bernard noble um were arrested and part of the same system as well so then the kids wind up following in their footsteps and the mother could be you know working multiple jobs or trying to do her best or maybe she's a fucking crackhead or something because she's depressed of the whole situation that's going on or maybe the kids is just a fuck up but regardless you can't just pinpoint it to oh the parents fucked up this kid's in the system now when every fucking kid from a certain area seems to be coming into the system like there's something wrong with that and um i just thought it it's it's a well done piece you guys should definitely check it out um and you see from a lot of those angles and points of view then you have the motivation behind the uh you know it's not a surprise privatized prisons make money off having prisoners in their system and this this piece actually breaks down the uh privatized prisons how they get their their funding and he goes into the uh, and gives you the names of the government grants. Uh, one of them is the acronym is, is actually COPS, C O P S, and the other one is 
Jog, if I'm not mistaken, J-O-G. You guys can look those up if you want to. And those are the government grants that give funding for these prisons to operate. And he breaks it down and shows you how uh, certain state prisons get, I think it's $74, and this is specific to Louisiana, $74 per inmate per day. Um, this is to, you know, for health and food and clothing and shelter, like everything for the guards. This is to run the prison. So the more prisoners they have, the more money they get. And the more money um, they have at their disposal, obviously, the prisons. When the prisons get overpopulated, the prison, the sheriff um, in that town, who is the shot caller, gets to outsource the prisoner to... I forgot what they're called, but smaller, smaller jails uh, in the county. And those, those um, uh, jails are happy to take them because they get the 74 bucks per day per prisoner, but they, it doesn't cost them as much. They get to, they have different standards or something like that. And they could cut education programs. They could cut medical programs. They could cut certain types of funding and they are, uh, allowed to run their prison for like $24 per inmate per day or something like that. And then it gets, you know, lower and lower. There's even another sub prison to that sub prison, which doesn't even more so on the cheap. And it's pretty sick to see that flow of generating money by having incarcerated, uh, people incarcerated basically and these these grants by the way an important point that i left out are specific to uh areas that need drug uh drug enforcement um or i'm sorry uh areas that are high in drug uh what's the word i'm looking for drug activity drug violence drug um incarcerations and you show that drug incarceration by locking up people for drugs marijuana is one of the easiest drugs to lock people up for because it's so such uh in like high use and you know it's easy to smell etc etc so they essentially lock up people with two joints on them for 13 years and money is at the root of all that which is kind of sickening and then i compare that to Definitely check that show out, by the way, guys. Um, I compare that to another show that I saw some of, um, which was one of those like murder porn fucking shows that that I actually like watching. Sometimes I get like drawn into it. Um, my girl loves watching them. Um, it's those like snapped shows and stuff like that. I forget the network that they're on, but. This one lady that this, you know, sure getting interrogated and stuff and admitting to, to murder got arrested for second degree murder, admitted second degree murder, and she gets 15 years. And a dude that's walking around with two quote unquote prior offenses when he was a fucking teenager. A decade later is, you know, walking around and he, you know, he's a dude that has a, a restaurant. He has a, a, his own tow truck and that's how he makes money. But he was like starting this restaurant. 
because uh, he really liked cooking. And, you know, uh, hardworking by those accounts contributed to society. It wasn't like some, some like low-life scumbag who wasn't taking care of his kids or some shit like that. Um, is walking around with two joints in his pocket and gets arrested for 13 years when some crazy bitch, and yeah, she was a white chick, some crazy bitch killed, I think it was her husband or, or something in like some weird fucked up way, and she got 15 years. Two joints of weed, 13 years. Murder, 15 years. That just doesn't, no way you can put it this way if you want to get into like oh but the law is this and that and third three three offenses and i don't give a shit if it's a thousand offenses if it's a hundred offenses of fucking oh we caught you with two joints again fucking for the 365th day in a row there's no way no rhyme or reason for two joints to land you 13 years in prison period then when you put that next to murdering someone and that person getting 15 years in prison. You can't rationalize that. You can't. There's nothing you can say at all. That's a broken, fucked up, nonsensical system as a whole. Obviously, I'm oversimplifying it. And you have to get down into the 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 nuts and bolts of it. And the bureaucracy and red tape and bullshit that, that is the riddled criminal justice system that we have in this country. But when you take a step back and objectively look at it, it's essentially one person walking around with two joints in their pocket, gets 13 years in prison. One person that's fucking decapitating people gets 15 years in prison. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. That does not make sense. And it sucks, man. It's really, it's really disturbing and disappointing to hear shit like that. Especially, and uh, it's the last thing I'll say about the that show, but when it's not like a one-off situation, you know what I mean? It's not like the rare, weird, random case in some county in Louisiana. As uh, one of the, I think it was the actual DA, or maybe it was the same assistant DA, uh, stated there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands, I think he said, cases like that like bernard nobles all around the country because it's not just this weird one county in louisiana that has that that rule that has that structure of incentivized privatized prisons that get funding for locking people up literally the more people you lock up the more money you get the more money you get the more guards you can hire the obviously the uh, prisoner guards uh, union pushes for this it's in their best interest. That's their bread and butter. That's their, that's how they eat. You know what I mean? And you create a system like that and it's just doomed from the beginning. It can't sustain itself. It won't. Not when money is the motivation and that's at the center of, of it. Anyway, um, moving on. The most recent uh, KOTD event uh, Blackout 6 was dope so, so far uh, from what I've seen. Uh, I don't get the actual pay-per-views. Although I was thinking about it for this one because um, it was a sick card. But they released all of them eventually on YouTube just like weeks and sometimes months after. And 
I saw two so far. One of them was Roan, who took the chain from Immaculate. That was a pretty cool battle. Um, I thought uh, Immaculate was was definitely lacking his side of it. Roan's was pretty dope, um, or dope dope enough uh, to win the battle. But I've definitely seen better from both of those dudes. So hopefully they come back harder than that. And the battle that I wanted to mention which again i have linked in the episode notes was iron solomon ver what did i say like that iron solomon 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 iron solomon versus disaster uh iron solomon for those who don't know is like an og um so it's disaster really but um iron solomon was the probably he was definitely my favorite battle rapper back then when i used to be into it uh back in the day i want to say like in the early to mid uh, 2000s uh, when I got into like watching battles and stuff and um Iron Solomon was was like a beast back then and he took this like long time hiatus I, I want to say like five or six years and recently has come back and he battled Daylight which was uh, a sick battle definitely check that one out and Disaster now uh his second battle back and these are the guys that are like at definitely top tier uh battle rappers now and they are uh they all looked up to like iron solomon back then and it's like pretty dope just to see the the momentum that that this uh just the battle rap scene is having as of late and some of it has to do with you know uh commercial rappers stepping in to like big it up a little bit and you know it causes it causes a little a little fuss um you know with commercial rappers versus traditional battle rappers and you can't do what we do we can't do what you do etc that type of hype and but you know it, it brings attention and which comes with money to the scene and it's being elevated from this like risque underground type of dingy hood type of type of thing which it can be still for you know especially in like smaller smaller um battle leagues but the smrack urls and the uh king of the dots kotd they're doing it right they're doing it big they're doing it um very polished very dope you know fucking kotd has even like ill cinematography in my opinion uh, which is pretty cool and the way they film them and, and edit the the battles and stuff like that. And it was just a really sick battle. And Iron Solomon looks like he has not missed a beat. He says some sick shit still. For, by the way, for those, what I like the most uh, about battle rap are bars. You know, the wordplay, the creativity, the it's 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 at a very top tier elite level. When it comes to battle rap, you don't hear this type of shit. And, you know, regular um, hip-hop all the time, um, especially, you know, commercial, you know, top 40 fucking type songs, you know, that you hear on Hot 97 or, or on Power 105. Um, you might hear it on uh, this level of of it on of like wordplay and 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 um rappers just being lyrical and dope on you know certain mixtapes or from certain certain commercial dudes that are able to do it on both levels like 
Eminem or or you know some of the slaughterhouse dudes, uh, fabulous like guys like that, um, Jay Z, Nas, you know the greats, and but seeing it like in battle rap, uh, battle rap just gives you that even dudes that suck in battle rap that just get eaten. They spit out dope sh- lyrical shit all the time, regardless, and sick lines, funny, uh, witty, and. It's just sick. I wanted to mention that because uh, it was a dope battle that, that I recently saw. I also have it linked in the episode notes. And I want to play for you guys just a couple bars from Iron Solomon that I thought were sick. Like listening to some just, just fucking gave me, um, what do you call that shit? Fucking goosebumps because I thought it was so dope. So check this out real quick. See, when you were still trying to steer through the bottom tier and the future of battle rap was not as clear, I was here, been a pioneer the entirety of my career. I made this backpack shit take off. I'm the rocketeer. I, I, spelled out this, I spelled out this path to give y'all some direction, put myself on the map so you could follow the legend. What I deserve, I achieved with just a verse and a beat. I didn't work for a fee, and what I earned wasn't free. Went on a murdering spree, hit every curb in the street. When it was 30 degrees, I was still burning MCs. In terms of this league, my words and my schemes are the birds and the bees. The spur and the seeds what emerged was this league so you're the MC you are because you were birthed from my breed I didn't quit and come back I took maternity leave I fathered your holy that shit is dope I don't know got goosebumps again just listening to that shit that shit is sick in my opinion uh, again, the full battle is linked in the episode notes. You guys can definitely check it out. And I recommend that you do so if you want to hear some dope shit. And just support the the culture. Because what, the, what these guys do, uh, performing how they do in crowds. And, you know, crowds that are ready to, like, boo you at any fucking hiccup. Um, it's a sh- shit ton of pressure. And uh, mad respect goes out to them. And that's... Uh, that's just the performance side but the the work and dedication and passion that has to go into like crafting and writing all those verses all those bars um is sick and you see some flow state powerful dope shit and you see some excellent craftsmanship at the same time which is which is pretty a pretty sick combination so definitely check that out fellas and ladies and speaking of writing and craftsmanship and um, just the the craft of writing in general, uh, I wanted to mention the new book that I'm reading that I'm really, really into, uh, more into it than I thought I would be. Uh, it's been a minute since I read fiction. I'm more of a like a, a nonfiction type of dude, um, you know, shit like Robert Greene, authors like Robert Greene. Stephen Pressfield, Malcolm Gladwell, and uh, recently, uh, again, recommended from a podcast, I believe it was Brian Callen's podcast, uh, could have been a bunch of, of the others that I listened to, though, uh, when they have guests on there, maybe Tim Ferriss's, I think, might have been the one where a guest that was on there recommended this as, like, a lot of people ask, in the well, the podcast I listen to, a lot of people ask them, you know, can you recommend the book or what are your top three favorite books of all time? And, you know, they mentioned shit that 
if I find interesting, you know, I usually jot them down. I look them up. If I find them interesting, I read them also, especially if it comes from a guest or, or a podcast host that, that I respect or, or that I feel has something to say because I want to see what their influences are. Uh, this was one called Ready Player One, written by Ernest Klein, and it's really good. It's fiction. Um, really into it. It's described as the as a Willy Wonka meets The Matrix, which is a which is a perfect description. Just in that one line, I think that was a quote from like New York Times or it's a New York Times bestseller. But that that's a quote from like New York Times or like one of the Newsday or you know like what how they um, post blurbs and stuff like that on the books. Um. And that's a that's a great way to to describe it, and it takes place in 2044, if I'm remembering correctly, the year 2044, and the time period where virtual reality and slash not artificial intelligence, but there's virtual artificial AI within the virtual reality, um, but virtual reality has gotten to a very high. Uh, level where you're immersed in it to the point where it's like in some instances like indistinguishable from reality to that point and then reality on the other hand is so fucked up because of uh we fucked up the planet with like uh, global warming type shit and uh the fossil fuels and people like pretty much abandoned cars and stuff like in the middle of the streets and everything is, is dilapidated and and fucked up so this virtual reality is a uh, is an escape for for pretty much everyone and but it's expanded more from like uh just like a video game system which it is but it's a full information system in terms of every everything that's over 40 years old like every movie every book every text every anything uh every video game every system everything that's over 40 years old is available for free um, through this virtual reality called the Oasis. And, uh, it's also been a, uh, there's also a, uh, schooling, public schooling that was created. And you, if you go to school in the real world, or if you go to school in the Oasis, it's the same, same difference in sense of like degrees. It's not like, it's not like getting a GED versus a high school diploma. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the same shit. It's your choice. Go to school in the Oasis or go to school in in the real world. And um, parents use it for babysitting, to, you know, to put it on their kids and have their kids, like, learn lessons while they go to work or, you know, like, shit like that. And it's pretty sick. And the writing is, is top-notch. It's so dope. And I'm really enjoying it. You guys should definitely check it out. There's actually one line that I wanted to share with you guys. Actually, I don't have the book in front of me. Let me go grab it real quick. All right, I just pause that real quick just so I could get the book. And the line that I'm going to read to you guys, it's... Let me read it first, and I'll explain it. It's from the beginning of Chapter 6, and it goes like this. The rest of my school day passed quickly until my final class, Latin. Most students took a foreign language they might actually be able to use someday like Mandarin or Hindi or Spanish. That's it. Now, <laughs> it's not it's not like some wow poetic 
like sick line like on that level on that like that type of writing or whatever but what spoke to me from it is that i could see the like the crafting and the calculating of that line like i feel like i could see behind the curtain of the mind of ernest klein as he was writing that line and the way he organized it and put it together and making a point to leave spanish as the last line as the last language and it kind of gives you like a hierarchy of what's most what are the languages that could be put most to use mandarin or hindi or spanish it kind of puts it like as you know mandarin would be the first hindi would be the second and third would be spanish at least this is what i got from it and the reasoning behind that and then this is obviously me speculating i haven't spoken to ernie klein but um is the fact that this story this world takes place in 2044 uh, which is well into the future it's like three decades from now and he's factoring in the fact that india which is where uh hindi is a native language of and mandarin which is where uh and china rather where mandarin is a native language of are two of the most populated country or the two most populated countries in the world and also the most uh modernized up-and-coming countries in the world so instead of how things are situated now especially within the united states and um which is where where the story takes place from the point of view of the main character uh, where spanish would be the you know first language which would be of most use now as a as a second language he factors in fast forwarding time into you know three decades into the future where these developing nations are essentially going to be you know taking over a lot of shit so i just thought that was a dope line for that aspect for that craft crafting aspect of it of writing and uh just shows like the different layers and different things they have to keep in mind when writing and formulating your stories and I admire that type of that type of attention to detail, if you will. And um, yeah, that's it. That's what I wanted to share from that book. And I'm sure I'll be sharing other shit as I read through it, um, like I normally do with all the other shit that I read. And definitely check it out, guys. It's called Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. And by the way, they're going to be making a movie out of it, which was already greenlit. Uh, I believe it comes out in 2017. So check that shit out too i guess in the future when it comes out i know i'm gonna want to see it all right so now to the one piece that i wanted to share with you guys that i wrote uh recently a few days ago and um you guys uh, if you want to read it uh, in the future if you just want to follow along or whatever it is whatever the case is you can check it out at spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and it's a post from march 3rd 2016 the title of it is don't bury your head in the sand and before i read it uh, i just want to say where the thoughts i guess came from an amalgamation of listening to different professors complaining about the state of uh, college campuses with the whole uh having to be extra pc and not wanting 
to to the point where your lessons are suffering um because you don't want to risk the possibility of hurting uh someone's feelings or someone feeling like you may something that you said which is this is the weirdest part i've heard certain professors state um that like gadsad on uh, dave rubin's uh, podcast state that there was a student that complained about something that a professor said and it was something so innocuous i forget what the example was i wish i could think about it now but check out um recent uh gadsad interviews on on the rubin report if you guys want to get uh, deep into it but it was something to the effect of one student complained because something that the professor stated in a lesson was something that another student could possibly take offense to and like they took this like to the dean and and like it went to the point where the professor had to issue a formal apology and just hearing stories like that and then um there's another story which i'm also going to butcher and fuck up which was like a harvard dean of something of one of the schools at harvard having to step down because the student body got pissed off and didn't want them to have a a, uh, I think it was like a Black History Month or something like that because it should be something that's uh, year round or, and just putting it to one month has like this underlying racism to it or some weird shit like that, and this person had to step down from their job because of it. Um, And then all the weird shit of of you know different different uh, surnames which I mentioned in this piece like uh, instead of Mister and Mrs and and Ms and and stuff like that you can't have Ms anymore because it's disrespectful it's slut shaming or some fucking crazy shit like that and you have to have the surname Z or to stand for God knows what and. It's just getting to, like, some weird, annoying place where it's, like, cut the shit. Like, you got dudes, you you got males, you have females, you have fucking uh, transgenders, you have gays, you have lesbians, and that's it. Then, I guess, transvestites after that, fucking, which are transgenders in training or whatever the fuck. And all that next shit, all that call me Z or call me, I'm, you know, not a boy or a girl. I'm a fucking balloon. Like cut that shit. Like stop. Do whatever the fuck you want to do and whatever it is that you're into on your own time. And as long as you're not imposing that shit, which is the, the part that I have a beef with of imposing it on other people, you know, to the point where you ha- you're having people, having to change their lesson plans, you're having people uh, having to step down from from their positions in, um, in some cases, uh, positions that they've worked their entire lives for. Uh, shit just isn't making sense anymore, yo. Y- you motherfuckers should get 15 years. That That's who should get fucking 13 years and shit for fucking... Whoever says the word microaggression should get 13 years in prison. How about that? Ah. <sighs> fucking so disheartening all right so anyway that's that type of um era that we're living in if you will is 
what motivated this piece and uh you know who's doing a great job at you know this whole you know within this uh vein is uh south park this season um if the season's not over yet uh with the whole pc principle thing the entire season is pretty much devoted to this type of shit and it, it's pretty sick you know um matt stone and trey parker do they're they're the best at this stuff um so definitely check out any one of those episodes or pc principle and stuff like that and they they beat the shit out of this point but anyway here's my my freely written take on this it's called don't bury your head in the sand and i wrote the entire the entire generation that is responsible for hijacking college campus culture does more harm than good for society as a whole you know the one the ones that dub any unflattering opinion as a, quote, microaggression. The kind that focus on arguing the minutia of what surname should be included on some arbitrary form while simultaneously allowing for a possible Trump election. Don't get me wrong. We should all be sensitive to each other's issues, but oversensitivity breeds contempt as well as inadequacy. We all need to be able to have thoughtful conversations about a slew of tough topics in order to work through issues, allowing for this inconsiderate, hostile takeover of free speech where we walk on eggshells to the point where we can't effectively communicate with one another will lead to too much being left undone, an inefficient lack of progress. There's an argument to be made for the potential abuse, for lack of a better word, of free speech and the possibility of opening the door to possible bigotry, which is probably why we wound up so extremely left of this PC issue in the first place. But without allowing for these open discussions, you're stifling ideas, which is a disastrous thing to do even for bad, hateful ideas. Anyone harboring such negativity will, whether we, quote, allow them to or not, express them. Not allowing for this free expression and taking this ostrich's head-in-the-sand approach opens us up to two distinct possibilities. And uh, again, this is my opinion, obviously. Number one, they find a more pent-up frustration way of expressing their ideas and two we allow for these unchecked detrimental ideas to percolate beneath the surface and spread right under our noses so we pretty much we like avoid these situations and and conversations and and stuff like that and the issue beneath the surface just continues to get worse and worse and worse or these motherfuckers just say oh you're not listening to me let me go fly a plane into the fucking world trade so you could listen to me then and those are obviously extreme examples but um i think the they're pretty logical conclusions to this type of backwards behavior in my opinion uh then i continued with the last paragraph which is we're losing the battle of ideas because we're not having any we're not having any battles folks we're not even having the fucking battles we expect or i'm sorry we can't expect anyone to see the error of their ways and faults with their thinking without us helping them to do so 
Like it or not, we're all in this melting pot together. Benjamin Franklin said it best. Those who sacrifice liberty for security deserve neither. Let's not continue to sacrifice the liberty of free speech and ideas for the presumed security of burying our heads in the sand. I wrote that on Tuesday, March 15, 2016 at 7.47 a.m. And that's it, folks. That's how I feel about that. Let me know what you guys think. Feel free to comment on that particular post at spontoday.com forward slash free writing or just hit me up through, uh, you know, any of the social media or through my um, email, um, spontoday at gmail.com. And that is pretty much it. That's the episode. And um, yeah, a little house cleaning. Check out the photos on my website at spuntoday.com forward slash photography. Any of the photos on there are free digitally. Obviously, you can download them. Um, But if you happen to want prints of any of that photography, then go to created.com forward slash spuntoday. Created is actually running a special at the moment. Um, which is going to be available at the time of this podcast coming out, which is $25 off and free shipping. So you get $25 off any order over $99, and you also get free shipping. And the promo code that you have to use at checkout is SPRING25. That's S-P-R-I-N-G 25, the number 25. And you'll get $25 off any order over 99 bucks. So buy $100 worth of shit. You get it for 75 bucks, and you get it for free shipping with free shipping. And that would be any of the photography that you see on my website and then thousands of other artists as well. Probably have uh, doper shit than I do. But you heard it from me first, so buy one of mine. And um, you can get them as posters or frames or, or canvases. And, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Check that out. Uh, also, to support the podcast, you can do so by shopping on Amazon or on iTunes through my affiliate links, which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash affiliates or affiliate links, something like that. It's Go to spuntoday.com. It's at the top of the page. Uh, affiliate links is the tab. Uh, also, if you can, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, or on your favorite podcatcher that you use to listen to this episode. I would really appreciate that. That helps the podcast gain uh, momentum and visibility, and it would be dope of you to do so. My book, Make Way For You, is available available both in ebook and paperback form on Amazon and Kindle, so check that out. It will also soon be available on other ebook platforms like the straight in the uh apple ibook store in kobo and stuff like that and also there's a spanish version coming i'm not gonna say soon um translate i'm doing the translating myself my uh fiance is editing for me and um i speak spanish obviously it's my second language but writing and translating and trying to translate certain sentiments that you know for saying specifically that are 
sayings in english but that a saying does not exist for it in spanish it's a much more daunting task than i thought it would be when i set out to do so so give me some time on that but eventually there will be a spanish version of make way for you uh tips for getting out of your own way but everything else is still available in english and you guys can check that out and by the way if you sign up to my newsletter through uh com forward slash books at the bottom of that page you can sign up to get a free copy of make way for you which is not going to be a cool digital you know kindle for uh format or obviously the physical paperback book but it is going to be the exact same book just in pdf form which isn't as you know user-friendly to read and go through and bookmark and like stuff like that but I will send that to you for signing up to my newsletter through that through that uh, portal there at sponsor.com forward slash books. So check that out. Might be something you may be interested in. And it's pretty much it. You guys know where to find me on social media, facebook.com forward slash today. It's today on everything, basically uh, at today on Twitter and Instagram as well. And that's pretty much it, folks. As always, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.